Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Welcome into another edition of the Hangtime Podcast. Seku Smith here in Atlanta. My main man, John Schumann, is in New Jersey. John Hobbs are behind the glass, as always. Shu, what's happening, sir? Crazy weekend around the NBA. Just over three weeks left in the regular season. And as always, the league never disappoints. The action, wacky from coast to coast. I don't know if you got a chance to see it live, but certainly I'm sure you've seen the video shoe of Jeremy Lamb's March Madness bucket to lift the Hornets to a stunning win over Toronto on Sunday. The Hornets are two games behind Miami for the number eight seed. And we're going to talk power rankings like we always do on Monday here on the Hangtime Podcast, but I can't help but wonder, shoe how crazy <laughs> the standings are going to get over the next three weeks. Yeah, I was watching that end of that game. I, don't, I didn't watch the whole that whole game, but uh, I was watching the end. I think it may have coincided with my Hokies being at halftime or something <laughs> on Sunday night. Shout out to your Hokies, by the way. Making Sweet 16! The Wolverines do it basically every year, so I mean, if you need a roadmap or... I didn't realize you went to Michigan. There you you always bring this up, like as if as if you have to be a card carrying member. Like I didn't realize you played for the Nets or the <laughs> Grizzlies or whoever your favorite team is. What is what a childish thing to say. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, I think I was. It's funny, like I was looking at you know these teams at at the fighting for the last three spots in the East, and you know if Charlotte gets in by one game, that shot. Could you be know, it, yeah. is the difference. If Miami gets in by one game, that Dwayne Wade game winner against the Warriors where he fumbled the ball and then just threw it up in the air. Um, Two absolutely 100% pure luck shots. Yeah, is yeah. the difference. Um, and if Brooklyn gets in by one game, coming back from 25 points down at the start of the fourth quarter uh, in Sacramento last week is maybe yeah. the difference. And so there was that, remember uh, a few years ago pelicans made it in by one game and the difference was an anthony davis like 30 foot chuck at the buzzer like in the middle of the season he beat the i forget who who it was that they beat in that game but it was the same team they basically beat out for the eighth spot in the west and it was because davis hit a, a like a 30 footer yeah. at the buzzer to win a game in the middle of the season it just goes to show every game matters yeah, it means 82 games long, 1,230 yeah. games total. But every game, every possession, you know, like is 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 can be the difference. You know, like any any single last second shot, and and as random as they can be, can be the difference between playoffs and no playoffs, uh, or the difference in in seating. So it's uh, it's um, you got to keep watching, I guess. It all shakes out. The Indiana Pacers got a monstrous win. Uh, over the Denver Nuggets on Sunday. I mean, just blew them out, 124-88. Uh, and that loss, you know, drops Denver down to two in the West, you know, after the Warriors get a win over the Pistons on Sunday. I mean, there, there's so much moving and shaking going on right now in the standings, and this is critical stuff. You know, Denver's playoff hopes are dramatically different if they have the one seed as compared to if they're two. 
terms of what they might be capable of, what the path looks like, you know, what you can. Maybe. I, I think in the West, it's so, you know, like, I, I, I don't know if there's if there's not like a clear eight seed that you want in the first round, right? Like we we don't know who the eight seed's going to be. Um, you know, there's four teams basically within a half a game of each other for for fifth to eighth. Right, but I'm saying for a team like Denver that hasn't, I mean, they're going from guess, not I making guess. the postseason to being a top two seed potentially. Right, there's no guarantee that they. Yeah, there's no guarantee that they're going to be free and clear no matter who the who they play because. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't yeah. think it matters for them whether they get one or two because the Warriors are capable of, of winning. Yeah, the Warriors can go from wherever they're at, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think it matters too much. If Dem- Denver's two and has two home series, you know, before they have to play the Warriors, I think that's not much different than them than being the one seed. I'm saying that they got to worry about getting out of the first round is what I'm saying. Sure. But like <laughs> being, the, but we don't even know, like, who seven or eight are going to be. Like, it could be anybody. So – you know, the difference between one and two, who knows, you know, like if, if it, if it's more beneficial to be the one seed than the two seed in regard to a first round matchup. Well, I mean, look, the Pacers have a two game lead over Boston right now for the number four seed. And they play each other two more times, which is fascinating. Like we already know that the the Pacers and Celtics are going to play in the first round. I think like according to like ESPN's odds or whatever, that's like a 90 something percent chance of happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a matter of who has home court. The Pacers have that two-game edge, but they play each other two more times, which is fascinating because they know they're going to play each other in the playoffs. They play each other two more times, and that could determine home court advantage in that first round, which is important. But they don't necessarily want to give the playoff, the postseason game plan away in those two games, right? So it could be. It's kind of fascinating to see, you know, what happens. And one of those games is this week in Boston, so that'll be. Right. Um, That'll be interesting. I mean, you just gotta. You have to, to me, drill down on matchups and and look at what advantage you might have. Not so much in a regular season game because you know it's not a it's not a one off situation in the postseason. I mean, you're you're talking about. But you see some playoff preview stuff from possession to possession. Just like if like I was at the uh, Celtics Sixers game last mm-hmm. week on Wednesday, I think it was. And you saw the Sixers continually try to pick on Kyrie Irving defensively. And you know that's something that's going to happen in mm-hmm. the playoff series if those teams were to face each other again in the postseason. So I think, you know, you'll see the same thing in a Celtics Pacers game this week. You know, both teams will try to find that defensive weak spot that they can attack and, and exploit. And that's something. So there will, you know, the, it, it, I think there is. If if both teams are healthy, especially and and will have basically the same roster, same rotation as they do in the playoffs, you can start to you can really start to see what matchups will favor each team in a regular season game, especially this late in the season when you know you know that you're going to be playing that team in the postseason. All the all the Pacers need to do is find somebody to emulate Lamarcus Aldridge's mid range game, and <laughs> uh, I mean, good grief, he. They could do. I mean, I know Al Horford was out, but they had nothing for Lamarcus. Yeah. I mean, he lit him up, forty-eight yeah. points on twenty or thirty-one shooting. And even with the win, the Spurs are still stuck in eighth place right now in the West, which <laughs> tells you how good the depth is in in the West. You're going to win forty-eight games in the West, and and the best you'll be able to do is get get eighth, maybe. Yeah, it's funny. I was. Uh, so I was at that Sixers-Celtics game, and, and before the game, Brad Stevens was talking about his team's defense, and he says, yeah, you know what? I know we rank fifth offensively or whatever it is, but that's not what I see with my eyes. 
Mm-hmm. And I, was, I thought that was interesting. I was like, oh, really? Like, okay, what is what is the difference between, you know, the, the fact that the, the Celtics rank as a top five defensive team and him just not believing in his defense very much? And, you know, he talked about it. He, just, he basically thinks from possession to possession they don't stop what they're supposed to be stopping. Um, That's clear. Consistently enough. Yeah. And, like, and then, you know, and uh, – they've proved him right because in their over their four game losing streak, their defense has been terrible. Um, amazingly, they still rank fifth defensively because there's a, you know, a big drop off between fifth and sixth and defensive efficiency, but you know, he's right. And I looked at, and then, so uh, today I looked at how teams defend versus the league's top 10 offenses. So basically just taking their games against the teams that rank top to in top 10 in offensive efficiency mm. and Boston drops from fifth, to 10th like in that regard so they're they're the 10th best defense against the top 10 offenses and they've lost like eight of their last nine games against those teams so that tells you that their ranking their overall ranking defensively is a little inflated yeah i mean i I think it's it's a matter of they've regressed as collectively um on the defensive and they've got individual guys who just aren't as good on that end of the floor and really haven't been as good overall as they were last year for that you know you can point to whatever reasons you want i told i vowed not to dive into the celtics cosmos <laughs> anymore uh during i mean this. we can still talk of that it's still even going back to like that indiana boston matchup is fascinating because it's a team one team is vastly more talented but, yeah, but has, I don't wanna... has, has not made the most of that talent and the other team has made the most of has made the most of of what it's got. Yeah, they sort of like the overachieving not, versus the un, yeah, overachievers versus the underachievers. Exactly. Kind of I'm, but I'm not going to dive into the psychosis of the Celtics any longer. I'm I'm going to let it be. <laughs> I want to move on to the Western Conference. <laughs> Just stay away from that. Uh, the Lakers. If you did, I don't want to dive into them either. And they're no longer a part of our playoff conversation since they've officially been eliminated. So we can move on. Um, that I mean. What do you make of the West race tightening up the way it has? The Clippers are up to fifth now with their win over the Knicks. Five-game win streak. I mean, we, we talked about them with Sean Powell last time here on the Hangtime Podcast. But what about the rest of the West construction in terms of the standings? What do you make of where we're at, Shoe, with three weeks out? And you have kind of this bunch, you know, <laughs> Oklahoma City, Utah, the Spurs, kind of all bunched in together there at – Six through eight, I'm I'm kind of surprised the Thunder have hit the skids the way they have. I thought they had kind of gotten over this and were in a different space, and here they are right back fighting for their space, you know, with, with the Jazz and the Spurs. Yeah, they got a good win in Toronto on Friday, mm-hmm. um, getting back the second game of that home-and-home. And, home. and it was good in the sense that their offense looked pretty good. They hit 23s. It was their best offensive game in a while after, a, like, a huge slump. Uh, Dennis Schroeder had a good game off the bench where he had been pretty much pretty terrible since the all-star break. And so we'll see if that can carry over. Um, you know, who knows, you know, one game is just one game. So sure. I'm not going to look too much into that. I mean, this thing is wide open. I feel bad for the Western conference uh, video coordinators because <laughs> basically, yeah, Golden State and Denver tied in the loss column for one and two Houston and Portland tied in the loss column for three and four. So you can't even like, so and there's no it's not like in the east where you know who four and five are you know whether they're four or five, like and then the east you know who's one you know who's two you know who's three and mm-hmm. detroit even though they fell a half game back of brooklyn for the time being still looks like the 
the favorite to be the sixth seed. So you can almost pencil in a Sixers Pistons series. Right. In the, in the West, it's wide open. I mean, yeah. you don't know who's one and two. You don't know who's three and four, and you don't know who's five, six, seven, and eight uh, in any kind of order. So any, I mean, anything can fall out, and and I, you know, you don't necessarily believe in many of these teams on the road. Like all of them have you know, been kind of sketchy on the road, San Antonio, especially, even though they got that win in Boston. And so that's, that's the big thing to me is like, you look at their schedules and you're like, I don't, you know, I don't know if this team can go out on the road and get a win that they need. I think Oklahoma city still has like, has a five game homestand coming up and that's good for them though. It's a, though they have a tough schedule in regard to opponent strength. So anything can happen in, in my mind. You know, the Warriors have a much easier schedule than the Nuggets going forward. So I would favor them um, as the one seed, um, but they still play each other. So, you know, anything could happen, really. Yeah, and and the Warriors need to stop playing. Well, after listening to Steve Kerr talk about it, I'm not sure they can stop having those lapses. It's just he made a great point. I don't know if you saw it. Talking about what they've been through in terms of how much basketball they played, you know, during this run, taking everybody's best shot night after night. He said he was surprised, actually, that they haven't had more of those power outage games where they just don't have the energy and don't have what it takes to get up night after night for opponents who are coming after you like it's game, their game seven of a playoff series. I mean, they're catching everybody's best shot and they don't always muster the proper response. I still, I still think they're going to have what it takes you to flip a switch in the postseason. But how long can you go, you know, in the same state where you just don't have the requisite energy night to night? Like, how do you change that? How do you? Uh, I think they just, that? they just got to prioritize being healthy in the playoffs. And if that yeah. means sitting guys multiple games between now and and April tenth, then you do it. You know, they sat uh, Curry the other day and then got smacked by the the Mavs, which maybe puts a little notch on Curry's belt as far as a top five MVP candidate um, just because they have a losing record without him this year. But yeah, I think you just, you know, give guys days off, just tell them, you know what, you're not playing today and you worry about being healthy and fresh come April 13th, I believe is the first day of the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Um, Be healthy and fresh for that. For that, don't worry too much about chemistry with Cousins and or Bogut going forward. Just make sure Curry, Thompson, Durant, Draymond Green, Iguodala, all those guys get plenty of rest between now um, and the start of the postseason and and keep them fresh. And that's that should be – and don't worry about the one or two seed. And you may get the one seed anyway because, like I said, you have a much easier schedule than the Nuggets going forward. Like they – you know, so prioritize rest over everything, I think. Is it is it too soon or should we even bother relitigating the rookie of the year conversation? <laughs> For so long it seemed like a foregone conclusion. It's Luka Doncic. It's Luka Doncic. It's Luka Doncic. Then Trey Young, the guy I, you know, who's forever tied to Luka, you know, due to that draft night trade at the Mavericks and the Hawks pulled off now he's kind of come on shoe um had a game winner to beat the Sixers the other night has played tremendous basketball uh, you know look at a triple double in a, in a blowout win for the Mavericks at Oracle I mean it's weird look at Luca's grind has never has never really let up this year but we've kind of 
moved on from his, you know, nightly highlights and, you know, being blown away by what he's done and kind of gotten a little recency bias with Trey Young and the Hawks playing better and Trey Young playing much better now than he did early in the year. Is there anything Trey Young can do at this point to change what you put down on your rookie of the year ballot? Probably not. And that's nothing against him. I love watching him play. Like I could just sit and watch him play pick and roll all night. You know, like I can watch a Hawks game, no matter who they're playing and just see how he plays pick and roll and the angles he finds and the the passes that he sees. He's been really, really good. And just so much and has really improved as the season has gone on. I don't, I just don't think Doncic has done anything to lose his grip on the trophy, so to speak. And that's fine. Like it, there's nothing wrong with finishing, you know, with, with there being two really good guys and there being, but there being a clear one and two from, from in my mind. And so, I mean, I, I still have to, you know, I still haven't dove really hard into the numbers, but mm. from what I see on the surface, I still think it's a Doncic thing. And I, I will look sort of break down some numbers with some of these awards in the next uh, week or two, just going through stats that are relevant um, for all mm. these award races. And we'll be able, you'll be able to get those on NBA.com and, and find them on the Twitter account in the next week or two. Like I, I haven't dove too deep into the numbers, but I just think Doncic, they both lifted their teams. Actually, both of these teams are improved offensively this year, even though they're both led by rookies, basically. You know, these guys have two of the uh, 10 highest. Doncic, I think, in the – so we have 23 years of sort of play-by-play data. Mm. In those 23 years, Doncic is tied for the highest usage rate by a rookie um, with Ben Gordon, actually. And then Trey Young is also in the top 10 in that regard, usage rate. Uh, by a rookie over the last 23 years so Mm -hmm. and both teams have improved offensively like I said so these are two rookies that have led their teams in usage rate and those teams have taken a step forward offensively from last year which says a lot about both of them really and um, and so they're both deserving of the award I just think Doncic just has still has the edge right we'll see I mean I'm uh, my ballots are clear right now I'm going to take a down-to-the-wire approach in terms of I want to I want to take full breadth of the entire season before I go filling out my ballots and thinking about who I'm going to put place where. You know, normally this time you kind of know what's what and where you, what direction you're going in. But I'm, I'm going to wait and I'm going to bury myself in the bunker one day and try and hammer them all out. I think I know who I have number one basically across the board. It's just how mm-hmm. I fill out the rest of the ballots, which yeah. is important. Um, but I think I'm pretty confident in my top pick for almost every award. So who wins each one? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I'm debating on a couple. I still have some coach of the year still on my mind. It's not a ballot of ours necessarily, but it's on my mind. I think that, that's the easiest one for me. I think yeah. it's too simple. It's it, like, I don't want to make it too complicated. Like right. the bucks are just so much, so improved on both ends of the floor that you can't, you can't vote for anybody in my mind. You can't vote for anybody other than Budenholzer. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I think actually defensive player of the year is the one that I probably do not have a clear number one pick. And I, yeah. I really have no idea who I'm going to pick at this point. Right. But the other ones I think I'm pretty solid on. Yeah. Well, we're going to see. I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it down at least another week or two before I hammer down on those things. Week 24 power rankings are out. Check them out on NBA.com. Top five teams this week, shoot, Warriors, Bucks, Rockets, Nuggets, Raptors. If I had to ask you in order of who you think is most capable of winning a championship, would it match the top five of your power rankings right now? 
Ooh, that's a good question. Um, Warriors, one, yes. Bucks, two, yes. Rockets, three. Yeah, I think that's right. So Mm -hmm. then Nuggets and Raptors, I might put, if you're just talking about who could win the championship, I might put Toronto over Denver. Mm -hmm. Would you put the Celtics and or Sixers over Denver? Probably. Yeah. Probably, because I think the East is a little bit more wide open than the West. Right. And I'd be fascinated by a Denver-Houston series, obviously, in the conference semifinals. And I, like we've talked about, I'd yeah. be fascinated, I'll be fascinated by every Eastern Conference semifinals matchup. You know, I think Toronto, yes, has the ability. We just don't know. Like, we just don't have the the data <laughs> with Toronto to know who what they're capable of and who they are. You know, it's just because Kawhi Leonard has missed so many games and Kyle Lowry has missed a bunch of games and they just got Marcus Saul and then – uh, Ibaka got suspended for three games and it's like they barely like they had a full roster against Charlotte on Sunday basically for like the second or third maybe the first time since they made the Gasol trade mm-hmm. um, but then Lowry tells us he's not 100% right and right. so stunner yeah like yeah so who knows like what they're what they have and the same thing with Philly, really. Like they haven't they've their starting lineup has barely played I don't think it's played ten games together yet. Yeah. Um and because Embiid was out for so long after the all-star break. And so all, I think the Bucks are the one team we could be most confident in the East, but then again, they lost they've lost a couple of guys to injuries. So and Antetokounmpo is dealing with his own ankle uh, issue that right. you know caused a scare this weekend. So it's uh, it is pretty wide open, I think, beyond the Warriors on both sides. I mean, say say we say the crazy thing happens. Say the Warriors get knocked out. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. And it, then it's is it a free for all in terms of who could, it could be either side. It could be you know. I would I would I, we, I mean if if you tell me Malcolm Brogdon's going to be healthy by the conference semifinals, mm-hmm. then I would definitely say the Bucks are my second pick. Mm. on Golden State. But, you know, we don't know that at this point. That's yeah, we have no idea. We have no idea. Yeah. Take, take me through the tiers then, Shu, in the power rankings. We got that first five. Give give me the the second that second tier and, and on down to the teams that are still. Yeah, even within that first five, I think it's it's Golden State, Milwaukee, and Houston, one, mm-hmm. two, three. And right. then I think Denver and Toronto are sort of their next, the, uh, next tier. Mm-hmm. Portland and Philadelphia – Six and seven, I think, mm-hmm. is is their own. Yeah, Portland level. being the clear four, fourth best team in the West, and Philadelphia being that potential conference winner in the East. Mm-hmm. That obviously has the potential to beat anybody in the in the East, but just you know hasn't been consistent enough, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then we got <laughs> then we got the Clippers, the Spurs, uh, the Jazz, and the Thunder all together, all lumped together, basically. And, you know, I don't think any of those teams, I mean, the Spurs have a little bit of, the Clippers probably have the best momentum of those teams, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything once we get to the playoffs. Right. And then you have Indiana and Boston in their own tier. We've talked about that, the underachievers versus the overachievers. And then you have the Miami, Brooklyn, Detroit, Sacramento group. Sacramento, the, the one team that's not, making the playoffs, but just throw them in the mix. I think mm-hmm. they're, they're obviously above every other team in the West and get throw them in the mix with those East teams near the bottom of the playoff picture, Orlando and Charlotte, you know, that next group 
battling for East playoff team uh, position, and then it doesn't matter after that, basically. So that's our top nineteen. <laughs> no, it does. Like, let's. I mean, right. seriously, like none of these teams. Some of these teams have let go of the rope. Let's be honest. Beyond yeah. that, and so, you know, it. The way I rank them now, it's just like whatever. Like it's just all right. Maybe one team has a spoiler win or whatever this week, but really, like some of them have. You know, look. I mean, you just have Minnesota. Uh, the Lakers, Washington, Atlanta, New Orleans, like some of these teams are veteran teams that have let go of the rope. Some of them are young teams that are a little bit frisky, but like they're all in the same sort of morass of teams. So I, I, you know, so it's, it's, it's fairly basic. I, I, you know, the, the Miami, Brooklyn, Detroit uh, group at that bottom of the East, I still think is above the Orlando Charlotte uh, group, even though, Orlando and Charlotte have both put strung together some wins to to stay alive, basically. Right. Orlando has a huge week this week with road games at Miami and at Detroit uh, this week. Yeah. Um, and so it's a huge week for them. You know, they're trying to end the longest playoff drought in the Eastern Conference, and this is the week they've got to win some games to get it done. Right. I know they're your team to watch. My team to watch this week is Houston. Um they got two extremely interesting games. Not, not as impactful maybe as what Orlando's dealing with, um, because we know Houston's in in the playoffs already. But just looking at their schedule, and and you say what games stick out to you on a week, in you know, on a given week. Houston at Milwaukee Tuesday night on TNT at eight o'clock Eastern. MVP showcase, right? MVP showcase, and just a very interesting, you know, as it pertains to our early conversation, if. If the Warriors were not were somehow to get knocked out of the mix, and you could potentially have uh, a finals preview of these two, I would be very curious to watch how they match up on Tuesday night. I was looking at their first matchup, and it was mm-hmm. Bledsoe that guarded Harden most, but mm-hmm. Brogdon guarded him almost an equal amount of possessions. So right. that will be missing. I guess George Hill is going to come in and and, and have fill, to fill some of that role. Yeah. The second matchup for Houston this week, this week that's really intriguing to me. Denver at Houston, 8 o'clock Eastern on NBA TV Thursday night. Every To me, everything for Denver is now a measuring stick game when you play another elite team, even if it's just to prove to yourself that you're serious and that you belong. But that you know that's one where you look and say, all right, if Houston's roster is kind of relatively healthy to what we project for them in the playoffs, and Denver is trying to poke their chest out and see where they fit. This is a great opportunity late in the regular season to kind of see where you stand. Yeah, I was like, I was like, man, what is, I don't know if I've seen a Denver-Houston game this year. They've played three times already. Uh, Houston won the first two in November and January, and then Denver won on February 1st at home. And so, I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of fascinated to see them play because I, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember those three <laughs> games. Um, and they're obviously looking like the two and three seeds in the West and, you know, mm-hmm. potentially facing each other in the conference semifinals. And so, yeah, I'm kind of, I'll be watching that one. I haven't placed a ton of importance on each and every other game that I looked at. And I always look at this entire week's schedule, trying to pick out which games are like, Oh, I got to make sure I'm locked in on this one. Boston at Brooklyn Saturday night does stick out to me as one that could be telling just, just based on how Brooklyn would match up against the Celtics in that game and, and whether or not we could tell anything else about the Celtics and their shortcomings from a chemistry standpoint, you know, that you never know what the Celtics, that's the kind of game they get it for and would put lumps on, on Brooklyn or they could get run out of it. You just never know. Yeah. I mean, Brooklyn, 
got the two wins they needed last week at Sacramento and at the Lakers. Um, mm-hmm. And then now they have seven straight games basically against teams ahead of them in the standings. And maybe that Boston game at home looks like a much more that right now. It looks like a much more winnable game than it did, you know, a week or two ago right? Uh, in that stretch. And so that may be a team, a game that, they see as the most gettable, I guess, of their of the next their next stretch of games. Who who'd have thought we'd be this deep in the season, and the Celtics would be counted as like a winnable potential winnable game for somebody like that? It's, it's crazy. We're less than three weeks of the playoffs, and this team still hasn't sort of figured <laughs> itself out. <laughs> I love it. I love the drama. I, I do love the 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 madness. To borrow a phrase from our collegiate friend, shoot it. Jeremy Lamb shot. There's so much basketball floating around right now at all levels. I don't know. I don't know how we get through the month of March and survive to April just to have the energy to continue to stay locked in. Um, it helps, obviously, to have the power rankings every Monday to kind of keep us in line, give us the, the guideposts we need to to stay on track. You can check those out on NBA.com every Monday, every day, but they come out fresh on Mondays thanks to uh, John Schumann and his hard work. Shoot, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, like I said, I'm gonna digest this Tuesday night matchup, this this MVP showdown, and some other games before we get back on Thursday. And uh, I want you to start your definitely, please start your uh, awards number crunching because I'm gonna need some help filling out my ballots. <laughs> so it'd be, it would be helpful if you got your all your business done ahead of time. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna present the numbers <laughs> and allow other people to sort of add their own context or, you know, I'm going to present the numbers as they are, you know, basically that's it. Like the Schumer report, let us make up our own mind. Yeah, like most improved. It'll be like, okay, who's the most improved in, in terms of just, you know, points, rebounds and assists per game or per 36 minutes. Who's the most improved as far as shooting? Who's the most improved as far as assist ratio? Or who's the mm-hmm. most improved and, you know, just all that kind of stuff and see, and, and, you know, and see what names pop up more than once. That's basically how I look at it. And then the same thing with, you know, six man, you know, who, who, what six man is the best shooter? What six man is the best, you know, has leads the league and uh, assists off the bench or, or plus minus off the bench and that, all that type of stuff. I mean, just sort of throw it all and throw it all together and, and, and basically see what names pop up the most. Let, let the data speak for itself. No question. Um, all right. Well, look, appreciate your work on the power rankings. Get, get your nap. I know, I know it's time for the it's Monday coming. afternoon nap. We'll be back Thursday with another episode. Uh, be sure to subscribe to Hang Time on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts for new episodes all season long. Please leave a review. Do, do us that one favor. And uh, for John Schumann, our producer, John Hartzell, this is Seku Smith. We will see you right here next time on the Hang Time Podcast.